When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 91, and we are recording on July 25th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello! Happy Tuesday! It is. It is Tuesday. Well, it's Thursday if you're listening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? How do Whatever. days work? Whatever. What's a day? What's a th- what, are, what is time? Hmm... I had to explain where um, weekdays, this is apropos of nothing, but I had to explain where weekdays got their names to my kids because they asked me like out of the blue the other day, like, what does Sunday mean? I was like, I think it has to do with the sun. I don't actually know the answer to that. And then Thursday was like Thor and they're uh-huh. like, who's Thor? Like yeah. from the movies? Right. Well, kind of, but oh God. <laughs> it's very complicated. That anyway. is complicated. Oh, I love it. Parenting. Spending an afternoon on Wikipedia looking up the meaning of the word Tuesday. <laughs> so, what you reading, Jen? Well, I spent the weekend looking through a book that comes out next week uh, called Dot Journaling by Raker... Ooh. Rachel Wilkerson Miller, I can speak, I swear, and is interesting. So she she's one of the folks who's been writing posts about bullet journaling over on BuzzFeed, um, which have been very good, actually. And so that's why I, I, I picked this one up. And aside from it being like slightly weird that she's calling it dot journaling, because that's not a thing, right? I mean, I guess Great, it's, yeah. it could be a thing, but whatever. But it's obviously that she means bullet journaling. Right. She's talking about bullet journaling, and she, she puts it in the... Um, intro she like shouts out bullet journaling but then I I wonder if it's like for you know intellectual property reasons anyway the point being I actually redid my bullet journal based on some of the spreads she had in there and I will say that I'm sure a lot of this stuff is already like out there on Pinterest or Instagram or wherever if you are a bullet journaler you know what I'm talking about but it was really nice to have it all in one place and like very organized and the book is beautiful like they did a really because it's from Workman so they did a really good job with the spreads and like the photography and there's like funny little stories in there but anyway I was surprised I was not expecting to find it super useful and I did I was really impressed with it so yeah if you're a bullet journaler it's worth taking a look at Hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I what well, I had a bullet journal for like most of this year, and then yeah. it's kind of very recently, meh. Oh, really? Like lost, not lost interest. I don't know. I guess it lost its utility. I don't know. Todoist. I just got on Todoist. Oh, Todoist is great. I mean, yeah. I don't use my bullet journal for work stuff though. So, yeah. Okay. What are um, you reading? Well, last night I finished <laughs> Warbringer, the Libra oh, Dugo, um yes. Wonder Woman book, which was. Excellent. I loved it a lot. Uh, so what I'm starting today is Into the Water, which is Paula Hawkins' newer, new mystery thriller. Uh, Paula Hawkins, of course, wrote The Girl on the Train, which I liked. So I am looking forward to see. I have, like, managed to avoid all discussion of Into Ooh, the Water. Okay, I won't say anything. I was going to okay, say something, you. and I will not. I don't. I, I know that... Um, 
I know one person whose taste I really trust loved it, and I know one person whose taste I really trust thought it was trash. So wow. there's like, it could, who knows? <laughs> it could go either way. Um, but I liked Girl on the Train, you know, so we'll see, we'll see. I'm hoping that it's different, because, you know, since, you were, since Girl on the Train came out, there have been so many, like, identical books to Girl on the Train, and I've read a couple of them, and I'm kind of tired of all of that, so mm. like, I'm hoping it's not. I know it starts with, like, a, a dead body found in the water or something like that, um, which, you know, there's got to be a dead body for a mystery, so... That's fine. But anyway, so that's what I'm reading. Okay, so here's how the show works. If you are new to the show, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. So if you need a reading recommendation for your book club, for yourself, for your kid, for a gift, whatever, you can send them to us, email them to us at getbooked at bookriot.com or drop them in the form in the show notes uh, on the site. If your question is time sensitive, please make sure please make sure to note that in the subject line or in the first line if you're using the form, uh, the first line of your question. We might email you back if your question has been answered on the show already, um, or if your question is time sensitive and we're not going to get uh, to it in time. So keep an eye on your inbox if you if you have if you need your question answered like quickly. All right, and so that's how the show works. Now we're going to do our first question and our first sponsor. All right, so our first question is from Jess, who says. I'll be visiting a few cities in Alaska this summer, and I was wondering if you could recommend some books set in relatively modern-day Alaska. Most books set in Alaska I've seen focus either on the gold rush, the Yukon, where no one really lives, being stranded in the wilderness and having to survive, or some combination thereof. I'm more interested in the everyday lives of people in Alaska. Do these kinds of books even exist? Please let me know. I'm open to fiction, nonfiction, and even poetry. Even poetry. Even poetry. <laughs> even poetry. <laughs> Excellent. Well, before before we give you our recommendations, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is Genius the Game by Leopoldo Gout. Uh, it is a, as you might guess from the title, a game novel, but it's a game with very high stakes uh, featuring three teenagers from around the world. It's an international cast who have to use their knowledge of hacking, engineering, espionage, and activism to save the world, like you do. Uh, it is like includes, you know, surveillance from like cameras and microphones and so if you're one of those people like I am who's paranoid and puts electrical tape over your laptop camera <laughs> you will appreciate the level of uh, surveillance in this book um, the characters come from around the world including China India and Nigeria um, and it's a high-stakes competition against a actual ticking clock. Uh, so if you like teen novels and action novels and big high-stakes conspiracy, you know, game quote-unquote novels, this is definitely something you should check out. So that is Genius the Game by Leopoldo Gout. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Uh, I'm just going to keep talking. I have a book for you. It was lovely to remember this book and to be able to recommend it to you because I really enjoyed it. It's called If You Lived Here, I'd Know Your Name, News from Small Town Alaska by Heather Lendy. I'm going to say Lendy. It'll be in the show notes, the proper spelling. Um, and she is a person who did not grow up in Alaska but moved there soon after she got married. I think it was like post pretty soon post-college with her husband, Chip. And they moved to Haines, Alaska, which is like 90 miles north of Juneau. So not, you know, near a major hub. Um, and you can only get there by like water or air and only when, you know, the weather is good. So it's very small town, but people really do live there. Um, and she is the obituary, obituary writer and social com columnist for the, like the tiny local newspaper. So her book is a collection of, like they're kind of essays. Each chapter is a little bit of a standalone. 
story about her and her neighbors and just her everyday life in this tiny town in sort of nowhere Alaska. And so there's a lot of colorful characters, right? Like the people that you find who are willing to live in a place like Haynes are very entertaining and a little bit kooky. Um, But it's also, like she talks about having to drive through a snowstorm to take her teenage son to the nearest hospital, which is like a six-hour drive because he's, you know, his appendix is rupturing and they have to get him to the hospital before his appendix actually ruptures. Um, And then, like, learning how to smoke salmon and, you know, uh, fighting with the school board about, like, doing an LGBTQ, you know, piece at the school um, after a spate of bullying and just, like, really super nitty-gritty everyday life stuff. Um, And it's interspersed with little segments from the paper, so you get, like, these, like, silly little little, you know, social columns. And then, you know, there's the part about writing obituaries, which is sadder. But anyway, what I'm saying is this book has a big range. Um, She's got a great voice. It's really interesting. It's very entertaining. And it's also like one of those nice, quiet, like, you know, serious stuff happens, but it's really more about that everyday life stuff. So that's If You Lived Here, I'd Know Your Name, News from Small Town Alaska by Heather Lendy. Okay, my pick for you is Baby, It's Cold Outside by Addison Fox, which is the first book in the Alaskan Night series. And these are a series of contemporary romances that are all set in a little Alaskan town called Indigo, which is all adorable. Um, And so the main character in the first one's name is Sloan, and she's from, I'm pretty sure, I think it was New York or some big city. She's like a freelance writer, and she gets a call from her best friend, uh, Greer, who is in Indigo in this tiny town trying to settle her father's estate. And she's discovered that her father has, like, another family, kind of, and so she's dealing with, like, a half-sister who's really hostile to her. They're basically fighting over his property. Um, And so Greer calls Sloane, like, begging her to come give moral support. So Sloane flies out to to this little Alaskan town, and while she's out there, um, she discovers that, like, all of the grandmas in this little town put on an annual bachelor competition to, like, marry (laughs) off their grandsons. (laughs) Because there are so many men, like the ratio to men to wi- of men to women in Alaska is like lots and lots of dudes, not so many ladies. Uh, so they have the grandmothers have this like big competition. Um, so Sloan decides she's going to stick around for a while to cover it for like a travel magazine that she writes for. And then, of course, she meets a local bachelor named Walker, who is, like, a bachelor. Like, he's, like, into being a bachelor. His, his dad uh, was, like, a big philanderer and has really kind of ruined Walker's... Um, idea of what love can be so he doesn't really believe in the happily ever after he doesn't really believe that it's possible to like settle down with one person for your whole life because he saw that that didn't really work out for his family um and so the two of them meet and have like clashing of wills they start a fling but they both know it's going to be short-lived um but then you know there are feelings and then they enter the competition on like a bet and of course (laughs) you know madcap silliness ensues um so i picked this one because there's you know madcap silliness but it's also it's about alaska but it's like not about Alaska. It's about the silly, fun, um, kind of goofy interpersonal relationships that happen in a small town set against this backdrop of like freezing, hostile wilderness. Um, so it's a little bit of everything and it's just, you know, fun. So that's Baby It's Cold Outside by Addison Fox. Okay, question two is from Maggie. Who says, I am the public librarian in a small and fairly conservative town. We have a limited YA collection that's been slowly building over the years. There's a real lack of diversity in the collection, especially concerning LGBTQ books. I'm looking for books that cover this area, but that aren't overly explicit or fantasy as much of the YA collection is already fantasy. 
Okay, I'm just gonna keep going. Um, so my pick for you is Tash Hearts Tolstoy by Catherine Ormsby, which just came out this year and it is adorable and it's contemporary. There's like no fantasy in it whatsoever. Um, Tosh is, Natasha, it's Tosh Hearts Tolstoy. I just realized I was saying that wrong. Um, Tosh is short for Natasha. She is an internet vlogger. So she's making a, um, like the Lizzie Bennet Diaries kind of style web series based on an updated version of Anna Karenina. And so she's doing this with her friends and her sister. And then um, a, a, a like super famous, I guess, kind of like Green Brothers famous um, vlogger shouts her out, like shouts her series out and the thing goes viral. And then they get nominated for um, kind of what, like their version of the YouTube awards. What are those called? The... Um, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, they get there, there's like a YouTube award show, right? But I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, and I don't so know. they yeah they get nominated for one of these big awards, and so what's going? That's all happening, you know. And so it's based around her like love and obsession for Tolstoy. But Tosh herself is asexual and has developed a crush on a boy who is also a vlogger. Who she's like they're texting and they like each other from afar from like the internet. And she's gonna meet him at this award ceremony, and she has to figure out how to navigate that because she doesn't want to sleep with him. She's not a romantic. She does have like romantic feelings for him, but she does not want to sleep with him. So it's about navigating that. Like, how does a sixteen or seventeen year old girl who knows that she's asexual navigate having a romantic relationship? And then like she comes out to her friends and she has to deal with all of that. She's got normal teenage stuff going on at home. Her sister's about to leave for college. Her sister is very annoying. Her parents um, are like loving, which I really appreciate that like they're, that, that doesn't happen a lot in a way. Oftentimes parents are dead or awful. Um, but the parents in this book like love her um, and are like really there for her, for all of her, you know, 16 year old drama that's going on. Um, so it's just about being like a normal kid, but updated in this, um, for, for like what could happen if you go viral and you're 16 and like what do you do and now you're internet famous and oh my gosh um so it's just really like it's adorable it was super fun it's got Tolstoy on the cover looking real angry with his giant beard I just love it so <laughs> Tosh Hearts Tolstoy by Catherine Ormsby <laughs> I'm sorry it's, your cover commentary is excellent it's just like he looks so mad and it's just little hearts around his head and he always looks like he's never smiling <laughs> it's the best he may never have smiled you know, I when you think I mean, about you know, his Back books. then you had to hold that pose for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, okay, my pick for this question is Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert, who I adore. She wrote Point, which was one of my favorite reads of last year. And her new book, which just came out recently, is uh, both uh, diverse, like racially, and also is LGBTQ. So it seems like a good addition to your library. So but it's about a girl named Suzette, who is um, dealing with a bunch of stuff. She's coming home from to Los Angeles from her boarding school in New England and, um, you know, reuniting with her friends and family. Uh, her stepbrother, Lionel, is a big part of her life. He has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So she's really trying to figure out, like, what's the right way to support him. Um, she also has a crush on a guy, you know, that she has, like, previously crushed on. But then as she gets back and sort of settles into, you know, old life, new life, she finds herself falling for a girl that her brother is also in love with. So it is all very complicated. Um, she is trying to figure out is, you know, what is her sexuality? Like, does she like boys and girls or what? Who, who is she? What's the label that fits her? 
Um, and then, like, how do you handle falling for somebody who your brother is also falling for, especially when your brother has a mental illness? Like, how do you... How do you deal with that? It's complicated. It's hard. Um, and she, you know, it's tough for her to make good choices, and sometimes she doesn't. And this book is very much about, like, you know, how do you deal with family mental illness? How do you deal with trying to figure out what your sexuality is? Like, all of these big questions. Like, it's not easy, and sometimes you make bad choices, but hopefully you learn something at the end of the day, and that's what this book is about. So that is Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert. Okay, next question is from Allie who says, I'm a fiction revert book lover. After reading Beverly Cleary and Roald Dahl under the covers with a flashlight, I gave up reading in high school and college when a bad English teacher killed it for me, uh, aside from Harry Potter and Cliff Notes. Only in the last few years have I really begun to fall in love with reading fiction. And I'm really digging all, reading all the classics that I missed. I know I missed so many good books in all those years, and it's hard to navigate which to go for. I would, let's see, some of my favorites have been To Kill a Mockingbird, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, Anne of Green Gables, Rebecca, A Wrinkle in Time, and A Count of Monte Cristo. I'm looking for classics, although contemporary classics would be great too. Thanks so much. Amanda, what you got? Okay, so um, from this list that you gave us, it seems that you really like like adventure kind of romp type stories. I just described The Count of Monte Cristo as a romp. <laughs> it kind of is a romp though, y'all. Uh. Um, so I went with The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins, which is a Victorian mystery novel and is actually considered to be like one of the first mystery novels and is super sensational and gothic and melodramatic and just tons of ridiculous ghost fun. Um, so it opens with a young man named Walter, who is an art teacher, a young art teacher, <clears throat> like walking on the, down the street uh, in the, at, uh, at night in London. And he encounters like a very mysterious woman dressed entirely in white. She's lost. She's confused. He gives her directions. And then later he finds out that she is uh, an escaped from like a mental asylum, a local asylum. So he kind of tries to put that out of his head. He travels, he continues on his path um, to Cumberland where he is, has been hired as a drawing teacher um, for... Uh, Laura, a, a girl named Laura, well, girl, she's like a young woman named Laura, and Marion, who's her half-sister. Laura is engaged to Sir Percival Glyde, who's like this very creepy kind of guy. Laura and Walter fall in love, um, and then <laughs> this... This, uh, the, the, character, the woman in white, you find out, is, like, connected to this family. Uh, Percival Glyde has, like, all these secrets. There's this, like, hidden love. Marion is a great character, the half-sister. Um, she, like, sol solves this mystery of how the woman in white is connected to this guy that her sister is supposed to marry and, like, how to make sure these two lovers end up together. There's just, like, so many threads and lots of, like, women in the attics and ghosts, maybe, but also maybe they're just people with mental illnesses and there's so much going on. There's fortunes and Italian counts who really like opera. Just, <laughs> just oh, I love it so much. It's just fun. Like, it's fun and goofy and ridiculous and amazing. So read that. You will have fun with it. So that's The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins. Amanda talked me into this one earlier this year, and I, I co-signed. It was delightful. It it's was so ridiculous. Delightful. Like it goes uh, really fast for being really long, too. It yeah. like definitely moves itself along. 
Um, okay, I am recommending to you a classic that I missed, so, you know, you should, you might have missed it too. Seems like you might have. It's Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I can't believe I only read this book in the last two years. Like, if I could go back in time and, you know, make my teenage self sit down and read it, I would. Um, it is an amazing book. It's about a young black woman named Janie who, when she is 16, is caught kissing, you know, the local sort of layabout. Um, and so her grandmother marries her off to an older man who has, you know, 60 acres and is a good match or whatever and is looking for a young wife. Um, And she ends up having two just really stifling marriages um, before she finally meets someone who she feels she can be herself around. And it's it's about, you know, it's about marriage. Um, it's obviously about racism because it was written originally in the 19, late 1930s, um, and it was contemporary to that time. So it's a lot about, like, what a black woman's life was like during that time. Um, it's about, you know how women can find their identities. Um, it's beautifully written. Like the, the, the settings and the descriptions and the way that the characters are drawn. Oh, it's just Zora Neale Hurston is an amazing writer. Um, it's just really fantastic. It's really, really, really good. <laughs> I like don't know how to talk about it. It's so good. Uh, so yeah, you should read it. I think it's amazing. I think it will really stick with you the way it has stuck with me. And that's Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Okay, question four is from Dammy, who says, I've noticed that I've started reading less and less as I grow up, and over the past couple of years, I'll be lucky if I even get through two books a year. I really want to get back into one of my first loves, which is storytelling, but I'm kind of at a loss for where to start. I'm looking for any kind of book that will have me absolutely engrossed and help fall back in love with reading. I usually read YA, um, but I'm totally open to anything new. The last couple of books I read that reminded me how much I love reading were Eleanor and Park, Trouble is a Friend of Mine, The Outsiders, and The Viral Series by Kathy Rikes. Okay. I apparently latched onto the outsiders thing that you said here, and I went with <laughs> Dunder Chief by Sarah Nicole Lemon, which I know y'all are like tired of hearing me talk about, <laughs> but I have not technically recommended it three times on this show yet this year, which is like our max. So I think this is probably the last I'm going to be able to talk about it. Um, but Dunder Chief is like a modern outsiders with an all female cast. Um, well, the main characters are all female, uh, which is awesome. So the two main characters are Tourmaline and Virginia. They are both older YA, so they've like graduated high school. It's the summer between high school and college where the book takes place. Um, Tourmaline is the daughter of a of the local biker gang's president, and Virginia is like a ne'er-do-well whose mother um, sold her to her attorney. Her mother sold her daughter to her mother's attorney, if that makes weird pronoun things happening there, or subject verb agreement, um, because she got a DUI and couldn't pay the attorney to to defend her, so she, like, gave her her daughter. And so uh, Virginia has been running drugs for this attorney who's, like, a very bad dude and being, like, generally a, um, like, an errand girl. He sends her, his, her, his, like, latest project for her is befriend Tourmaline, infiltrate this biker gang, and find out everything that you can about them so that he can get rid of them and expand his drug trade because maybe they're competition, maybe they're enforcers for another drug. You don't really know like what's going on in this biker gang. You just know that they are somehow interfering with this lawyer's business. Um, so Virginia does that. She meets Tormaline and tries to get in with her. But what happens is they actually become friends. Like not just I'm here to be friends with you so I can get close to your dad, but like actual friendship. Um, and so then once they realize what's, what's happening to both of them, they have to uh, figure out a way to like get out from under all these horrible men in their lives who are using them uh, to, to kind of further their own ends. Um, there's 
a little bit of romance, but it's not sweet. It's like very heartfelt and, and angsty, which I appreciate. Um, but I just found it really, really engrossing. It's not a super quick moving plot, oddly, for like a book about bikers <laughs> and like drug dealing and murder in Roanoke, Virginia. It does not move that quickly, but their relationship is kind of a slow burn. Um, but I just couldn't put it down. I read it super fast. So that's Done Dirt Cheap by Sarah Nicole Lemon. Yeah, I was trying to think of the, like, a book that just kind of sucked me in, and then, you know, you look up three hours later, and you're like, oh, I'm still reading. Okay, this is happening. Um, And one of the books that occurred to me that you might like is An Ember in the Ashes by Sabah Tahir, which is a historical, it's not really, is it a fantasy? It's like... It's the second world, so there's 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 not a whole bunch of magic happening here, um, if any. I, it's been a minute since I read it, but I don't remember any. So the point is, it is sort of inspired by ancient Rome, and it is about a girl named Laia whose family has just been totally destroyed by the ruling slash conquering class of soldiers. Um, their you know world has been overtaken. Um, her family were scholars, and you know sort of intellectuals. Intellectuals, and now they're just, you know, barely scraping by. And her brother gets arrested for treason. And she's already lost so much of her family. She's like, okay, no. Um, so she decides to help the rebels who promise to rescue her brother, um, which means that she ends up spying within the Empire's military academy. So she puts herself in, you know, basically a direct line of danger in order to to find somebody who will help save her brother. Uh, and she ends up meeting a boy named Elias, who is the school's, like, in the top class of soldiers coming up who are being trained to sort of, you know, rule the world. Um, and, of course, you know, sparks fly, and they end up being very interested in each other and Elias's life is really complicated too because he really wants nothing to do with what he's being raised to do so they are trying to figure out who to trust can they trust each other um what can they do to get out from under this you know like oppressive ruling system is there even anything they can do Elias constantly taking risks it's really like edge of your seat like oh my gosh what is gonna happen to these characters. And there's a bunch of great supporting characters too. Like I really thought that there was a lot of characters to not necessarily cheer for, but like to get invested in. I was like, I need to know what is going to happen. And the second book is out now, and there is a third one coming next year. So if you like the first one, there's more where that came from, um, and you can follow it as it comes out. So, you know, first two books is a pretty good way to start a series, I always think. So that's An Ember in the Ashes by Sabata here. Okay, before we move on, we're going to do our second sponsor, um, and that would be The Secret Agent Training Manual by Elizabeth Singer Hunt, who is the author of The Secret Agent Jack and Max Stalwart series from Weinstein Books. Uh, And this is like a a early reader, middle grade, not not even middle grade, earlier than that, uh, kids chapter book series. Um, So if you are fans of Secret Agent Jack Jack and Max Stalwart, uh, which has won a bunch of awards, then this is a new chapter book series for you. So Jack teams up with his older brother, Max, to solve international mysteries using their special training as secret agents. Oh my God, my kids would love these. (laughs) (laughs) So in the battle for the Emerald Buddha, Jack is temporarily retired from the Global Protection Force. He's on family vacation. 
But Jack and Max are motivated to act when a band of thieves steals an emerald Buddha from the Grand Palace in Bangkok. So they're on their own up against one of the smartest and wealthiest villains they've ever faced. Can the brothers find Thailand's treasure in time? I have a feeling that they will. I don't know. This is just a <laughs> So if you like kids' books or you have uh, kids who are starting to get into chapter books, you can check that out. The Secret Agent Training Manual by Elizabeth Singer Hunt. Thank you for sponsoring the show. All right. Uh, yeah, you. Yeah, me. Our next question is from Marie, who says, I love reading about people bonding with their dogs. However, I find that 99% of the time, if the dog plays a key role in the book, then something terrible will happen to it. Can you help me find a happy book about dogs that will not wrench my heart out and bring me to tears? I read What the Dog Knows by Kat Warren and enjoyed her style of nonfiction. I would prefer a fiction recommendation at the moment, but I am open to any recommendations. Okay, my recommendation for you is the first in a mystery series that is like a little bit of like a Turner and Hooch style to it. Um, it's about uh, Chet and Bernie. Chet is the dog. Bernie is the human. And he, Bernie is a PI. Like he has a detective agency. It's kind of scrappy, like not super amazing, you know, lots of jobs happening. Um, and Chet, the dog, failed to graduate from police academy. So he's like not, you know, your typical doggy, like super, you know, hero dog. Um, and there, you know, and then Bernie's like getting divorced and he's lost custody. So like things are not like amazing. Um, and, and Chet is narrating the books, just FYI. So like he's very aware dog. He's, he is telling you the story. Um, and so they get a job to find a 15-year-old who is missing. And the police won't take it because it, she hasn't been missing for long enough. So the neighbor, like, begs Bernie to, you know, get on the case. Um, and then Madison comes home, but then she disappears again. So there's something going on here, and Bernie and Chet have to figure out what it is. Um, there are a few, like, you know, tear-jerky moments, but they're not because the dog dies. <laughs> like, it's, it, like, gets, you know, momentarily intense. Um, the, the actual mystery gets intense. Um, but the, you know, sort of, it's got that, like, slightly goofy thing, because this is a mystery narrated by a dog. Uh, and it, they're just really fun. There's a bunch of them too in this series. I cannot remember how many at the moment. Um, let's see. It looks like maybe eight. There's a bunch. There's a bunch. So if you like it, there's lots more where that came from. So that is Dog On It by Spencer Quinn. <laughs> okay. Um, my pick for you is Stay by Allie Larkin, which is yet another warm, fuzzy contemporary romance. This is apparently a thing I'm doing right now. Um, so it's about a woman named Savannah. She goes by Van, who has been in love with Peter Clark since uh, like college, um, but Peter is marrying her best friend and she is maid of honor in the wedding. So it's not, you know, a good day to be Van. Um, so after the wedding, she gets super drunk <laughs> on Kool-Aid and vodka, which is unfortunate. Oh um, boy. And is watching reruns of Tin 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 uh, and then accidentally, not accidentally, but sort of on purpose, buys a German Shepherd on the internet. Uh, and it turns out that the dog who arrives, who she thought was a puppy, is actually like, not a puppy, and is like 100 pounds and is huge and only responds to commands in Slavic or German or some language that she does not speak. Um, and so her life is not going very well. <laughs> so um, at this point, she decides that maybe she's got to figure out how to move on past you know, her love for Peter and how she's going to handle this giant dog who doesn't understand English at all. And she doesn't know what she's going to do. So um, then she meets... 
in comes a very dashing veterinarian. Uh, and uh, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't feel like I need to tell you what happens with the dashing veterinarian. Uh, and then, um, oh, there was another thing that I forgot. He has, the, the thing about the vet, I think his name is Joe, but he but he's, he befriends, like, his best friend is, like, an 80-year-old man who's, like, an adorable side character. Though. <laughs> I know, it's just, it's great. Um, but... Van is such a fascinating character to me because she's actually kind of obnoxious. Like, who decides to just be... She She never does anything about this love that she has for um, for Peter before he, like, marries her best friend. And then she just gets... She drowns her sorrows. I don't know. She's a little bit annoying at the beginning. But then, you know, in comes this dog who's, like, big and goofy and tears up all of her stuff. Um, and, you know, fixes her heart. As dogs do in these kinds of books, which is just so great. The dog does not die. Um, and... It saves her basically from her own self, which is nice. And the cover is adorable. It has a like an all black German Shepherd on the front. It's really great. So yeah, uh, so that's "Stay" by Ali Larkin. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> we are here with the dog puns. All of them. Okay. Question six is from Janine, who says, "I'm based in the UK." Um, and love the access that your show gives me to a wider range of books. I'm in a book club, and when it's my turn to choose, I like to challenge the group. The others often pick contemporary literary fiction, which is great, but it's also great to try something different. I fancy reading a graphic novel, as I've not read one before, but I'm scared off by fantasy and comic book characters. Okay, I'm just keep going. Um, so I picked Alias Volume 1 by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, because, well, for several reasons. Comic book character, the comic book character thing, um, is a big barrier to entry, I think, for a lot of people when you're reading comics, especially superhero comics, because you don't know where to start. They go back 50 years. There's these giant, like, buddy, you know, like the Avengers and all of these kind of huge cast of characters. And so it can hard, be hard to figure out to, uh, where to start. But in Alias, which is about, you know, Jessica Jones, um, she has left all that behind, and that's what the book is about. So in volume one, she... Used to be a costume superhero, Jessica Jones, she was named, I think Jewel was the name of her character, but her powers never like fully came to be what she wanted them to be. And she also just kind of wasn't into the superhero life. So she quits. She leaves all of those people behind, you know, the Hulk and all of those, um, Captain America, she like just stops doing it. So when this comic starts, um, she's out of that life. So you don't have to be super familiar with any of that kind of, uh, any of the history really of uh, superhero comics. To get into it. So now she's not doing that anymore. Now she is a private investigator and kind of an alcoholic um, who is spending her life like catching people cheating on their spouses for dollars because that's what private investigators spend a lot of their time doing. And then um, she gets a, she gets, catches a case that involves her kind of accidentally uncovering the secret identity of a superhero. And then she gets embroiled in this like big cover up. Um, she has to reach out to some of her old contacts from her superhero days to kind of try and solve the crime. But again, you don't need to know like any of the background. Um, and you know, life-threatening adventure. There you go. It's a lot of fun. And also if the people uh, in your book club have seen the show, they'll kind of, it's the, the volume one of the comic veers from the show uh, a lot. Not, it's very similar in tone and obviously in basic plot and like character outline, but the mystery she's solving in this comic is not the one she is solving in, in the arc of, um, the show, at least season one, I haven't. Is there a season two? I haven't watched it, if there is. Um, but you can watch the show if people in your book club are need more, like, assistance with getting through a comic. Because they, you know, they can be difficult. So, that's Alias Volume 1 by Brian Michael Bendis. 
I picked a graphic memoir for you guys, and I picked one that I have read with a book group, so I know that it works well. It's Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant by Roz Chast, who you might recognize her style. She is a cartoonist for The New Yorker, so her art may look very familiar to your group members for reasons. Um, and this book won, I mean, it won the, it was like a finalist for the National Book Award, and it's really amazing. Um, it is about her trying to deal with her aging parents. So it spans the last few years of her parents' lives um, and is really about what it is like to be a grown-up who is now in a caretaking position for the people who used to caretake you, and especially when those people don't want to like anything to do with what it means to be aging the way that they are. So her parents, you know, they don't want to move out of their apartment that they've lived in forever. Um, they ha are like very codependent. Uh, they have, you know, their routines and this is what they do and they don't want to change anything. Um, and they need to be in care, but they don't want to go. And then it's like, how much is it going to cost? And who's going to pay for it? And how is it going to work? Um, and just like all of these like logistics and like uncomfortable like pieces of dealing with aging parents, like the money and, you know, their hoarding and their apartment and, you know, trying to convince them to do something that you know is the right thing, but is like basically as far as they're concerned, you are ruining their life. Um, it, it hit really close to home for a lot of the people in my book group. So there might be like it may be too close to home for some of your folks. I don't know. Um, but I think it's really worth reading. And it also was very comforting for a lot of us. Like, yeah, somebody else has had these uncharitable thoughts and like these, like we're not perfect children, as, you know, as adult children, like we're not perfect. And there are things that we don't want to have to deal with that we're going to have to deal with. And like, how does that, what does that look like? Um, and there's really beautiful touching moments in here too. It is a bit of a tearjerker, fair warning. Um, but I thought it was really excellent. Her style is so engaging and there's just a lot to talk about because both the topic and the way that she's got it all laid out you know the the way that she uses her art to tell this personal story is very interesting so this is a pretty good um sort of entree into the graphic memoir field of which there are like a billion great ones I mean so many so you know it doesn't have to be fantasy and superheroes although those things are great like you have many options so that's can't we talk about something more pleasant by Roz Chast all right next question is from Kathy who says I am a retired first grade teacher and for the last year or so have been channeling my love for reading aloud into reading to my father-in-law who lives in a care center near my home. I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for things he might enjoy. He's in his early 80s. He had a stroke a few years ago resulting in some limitations with short-term memory. So short stories and or plots that are not too hard to follow between reading sessions work best. Uh, he loves westerns, cowboy stories, old movies, and generally adventurous slash action packed plot lines. We have read quite a few Louis L'Amour books and short stories. I'm, think I'm looking for things that are generally upbeat and not too risque. What you got, Amanda? Okay, I went with The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt, which is a kind of an updated Western. Well, not kind of. It is an updated Western in that it takes place in the normal setting of a Western in like the 1800s um, in the Western U.S., but it was written very recently. But I picked it because it's hilarious. Like, it's slapsticky and weird, and the characters are just bananas. Um, I will say that it is really violent, 
as a lot of Westerns tend to be. So if that's a thing that you don't want to necessarily read out loud, then that's a, that's a thing to keep in mind. But so it's about these sisters, brothers, their last name is sisters, Eli and Charlie. Um, Eli is the narrator, I think, or is it Charlie? No, yeah, it's Eli. Eli is the narrator. Um, and he, they, they're brothers who are assassins for hire. Uh, and so Eli is kind of done. Like he wants to settle down and maybe stop murdering people for a living. And you know, just kind of like drink some whiskey on the porch with his mom and whatever, like be done with it. Charlie, not so much. Charlie's still kind of a sociopath and like just, thinks that the the money is good and they should continue on about their path so they're on this job which eli would like to be their last job um they're hired by a man named the commodore to murder an inventor named herman um who they don't know why they don't know what he, he's done did he steal something from the commodore didn't deliver something whatever so they were tasked with like going to find him and kill him which uh, along the way they have various and sundry episodic adventures and ridiculous um nephews occur and then they do find him um but it kind of the things that they discover when they find him sort of change the course of all of their lives um there's a one particularly troublesome scene with a horse that i will also warn you about so if there if you have like if you get squeamish about like bad stuff happening to animals that also happens but it's it's just so funny and like eli is such a goofy guy like his narration is hilarious because you know these are like assassins but he's just kind of dopey doe I don't even know how to describe it like so matter of fact and like cheerful and just it's great it's just funny so anyway that's the sisters brothers by Patrick DeWitt yeah that's a really darkly funny book I also enjoyed the heck out of that one um my pick for this question is The Rise of Ransom City by Felix Gilman which is technically the second book in a series but I really felt like it stood alone and it is about a man named Harry Ransom who is a huckster. He is a con man. He is like got a million different aliases and he's sort of, you know, roaming slash trying not to stay in one place for too long so he doesn't get caught. Uh, and it takes place in a sort of alternative frontier world that does have some magic um, and some, you know, surreal things happening in it. But the focus, and th that's what the first one in the series is about, is very much about, like, you know, the weird magic and fantasy of this alternate frontier world. Um, but this one really does focus on this, you know, this con guy who's just, like, roaming around claiming to invent things that he hasn't invented and like charming people out of their money and like being a general jerk face scallywag his, yeah he's a <laughs> scallywag he is he's a scallywag and I just I thought it was really enjoyable and I you know it's it's um it's kind of episodic because he's moving around so much and there's like a little bit of a mystery as to like is he actually like does are all of his claims false or like is there some truth to the things that he says he can do so and there's also um he like ends up crossing paths with two fugitives um who are on the run and uh because they're fugitives right i understand that that's repetitive um and and there's like this bigger conflict going on so it's like kind of like how does he fit into this like does he want to do anything useful with his life or is he just kind of gonna continue looking out for number one so that's the rise of ransom city by felix gilman okay question eight is from hannah last question she says money has been short lately but i finally have enough to invest in some really great books do you have any suggestions on what books and authors are worth my hard-earned money i will read anything preferably fiction and if it's longer than 600 pages i will be very happy but also enjoy something that's non-western culture okay 
I went with A Brief History of Seven Killings by Marlon James, which is about 700 pages, and won The Man Booker, which is a really excellent uh, prize. If you're not really like into following prize winners, I think The Man Booker is one of the few that's like actually worth uh, paying attention to. So this takes, it's like this just epic sprawling masterpiece of like Jamaican history. It starts in the 70s and it's kind of centered around um, the an assassination attempt uh, on Bob Marley, who in the book is just referred to as the singer, um, which happened, I think, in 1976. And then it bounces from Jamaica to the U.S., uh, in New York, and then like back again over the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So it takes place over 30 years. It is, a, it's it's difficult. If you are at all familiar with like um, train spotting and how that's written in that kind of Irishy, is it Irish? I don't remember. But like that dialect that... Um, Scottish. Yes, yes. Once you get it, it kind of like teaches you how to read it, you know, as you go. And then once you get into it, it's fine. This is like that. There is some patois. Um, so you have to kind of get into it a little bit. And there's a huge cast of characters. And it's really, really sprawling. Um, and just, I mean, well worth it. Like if you've got 30 bucks. That, although it's probably out in paperback by now. Because, yeah, right? It's in paperback. It is. So if you've got 17 bucks you can, that you need, to, uh, that you need like just a really great investment in a nice sprawling epic amazing piece of thought out literature i think that's a really great pick so that's a brief history of seven killings by marlon james my pick for you is sacred games by vikram chandra which is 900 pages long and is available in paperback (laughs) it is it's it's probably one of the longest books i've read and i picked it up by accident like i literally don't remember what I was searching for on the library app when I found it, but I was like, oh, that looks interesting. It's a incredible epic of, um, like, Indian police work is, like, the way I'm going to describe it. So it takes place in Mumbai um, and is about this uh, inspector who is finds himself on the trail of the most wanted gangster in India. Um, and it, which is weird for him because he's like, he's over 40, his marriage is falling apart, like he doesn't really have many prospects for promotion, like he really doesn't, he's not the kind of guy who's like up and coming and like doing everything to like get the hot cases, like that's not who he is. But he gets this anonymous tip and suddenly he is maybe going to bring down the city's biggest gangster. But the book also weaves the history of India into the story. So it's not just about these two characters. Like, it's about so much more than that. Um, and it's it's just incredibly engrossing. Like, I did not realize how long it was, A, because I was reading it digitally, and I can never tell how long anything is um, on ebook, especially because I read on my phone, so everything is over a 1,000 pages long. Like, it's just that's because the screen is tiny. But I, I, when I was finished, I was like, how long was this book? And I was like, oh, okay, it's very long. But I didn't even notice because I was so sucked in. Um, and bonus, this is getting made into a TV show um, by Netflix and an Indian production company. So, like, there's going to be an adaptation version of it to watch. So if you start reading now, by the time the adaptation <laughs> the time comes finish. out, you will probably have finished it and be ready to watch the show. So that is Sacred Games by Vikram Chandra. And that's our show. Hey. Hey. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please go leave us uh, ratings or review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, you can find us on social media. I'm mostly on Instagram these days at I'm Amanda Nelson. 
And Jen will tell you where she is. I am mostly on Tumblr. It's jenirl.tumblr.com, and that's Jen with two N's. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.